Challenge and danger help men reach their full potential. Masculine energy grows through challenge. Feminine energy grows through praise. If you think about it, if you were playing, I don't know if you guys played sports. Did you play football in high school? I played, yeah, not football, but sports. So masculinity growing through challenge, it's like, I mean, look at all the challenges you had putting together that book. That was hard. It was difficult. But in order to make it happen, you had to be disciplined. Yeah. You spent countless hours over many, many years, as we were talking about earlier, putting that together. That was a real challenge. Yep. And masculinity is kind of pushing that broom against the tide, the ocean as it's splashing up on the beach. And I like, like playing football in high school. It's the coach is like, yeah, you, you know, you suck. You don't got it. You didn't learn the playbook. Go, go sit on the bench. And as a, as a man or a young boy growing up, it's like your natural instinct is like, I can do it coach. And you want to prove to the coach that you can do it. In other words, he's challenging you to step up. In other words, he's saying your level of effort right here is not sufficient to be starting. So therefore go to the back of the line because you suck basically. And internally you you want to prove that you can do it, especially if you got people home going, yeah, you're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. So it's like you want to prove, because you look at, study high achievers. All high achievers are driven by fear. Maybe they grew up in poverty. Maybe they come from a difficult background or whatever, or maybe their parents were never satisfied with how they showed up, their grades they got in school or whatever. And so they got this tremendous desire to prove themselves that they can do something. That they, they can overcome, can be better than the limitations that other people tried to impose on them. Right. And I guess the kind of the challenges and the teamwork aspect of sports and everything, I guess it bleeds over into your adult life when you're in the corporate world or something. But musicians typically aren't into sports, and I certainly wasn't. I mean, I had some interest in it when I was a little kid. I mean, I was yeah. on the baseball team. But, but I wasn't that good at it. <laughs> Music was my first love, for sure. I mean, ever since... you start playing? Well, I didn't get the idea of playing until I was about 14. It's funny, because I, 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 I was about 14. Um, but ever since I could walk, I, I was... My parents had the Beatles albums, you know? And I yeah. was just obsessed with it. I just... That was the whole... That was my whole meaning of life as a child. That, that was my... Number one thing, just listening to the Beatles and collecting their albums. So then when I was about 10 years old, I did try, you know, Little League baseball. Because so I followed the Mets and everything. I followed yeah. the Mets. I was interested in baseball. When you were starting music, how was it? was probably really challenging at first, or did you kind of pick it up easy? Like, so well, why did you play Little League? Because they wanted you to play, or you? No, I was interested in because I was into the because I I did follow. I was interested in sports uh, as far as watching sports and following uh, so i had some interest there obviously i mean uh, the mets was they weren't even that great then but they're in my team i was in new jersey so yeah born and raised in jersey for the first 12 years so yeah and then i guess there was a natural thing to buy my own baseball glove yeah. and figure out how to break a baseball glove in and learn what a fastball is learn what a curveball try but i wasn't that good i wasn't that good and then it was just so i guess it was like a detour music was first and then i Went off to do that a little bit, and then back to music. Back to music. Yeah, what got me was I good at it. Yeah, it was easier for me. 
for how some... did you get into music? What was the impetus for that? Well, because when you're 14, I used to think I still think 14 is a magic age somehow. But I've learned now that there's kids that are like on fire much earlier age than that. But when you're 14 and you start high school, you got friends that you're going to make that are already driving, and there's just a lot of other kids playing guitar that you just. Uh, I mean, the potential to form a band is like there now. Yeah. And I guess that's what it is. You know, uh, I didn't go it alone. I had other friends who were players and we were all starting. And so I don't know, but it was natural for me. I think I got it pretty good. You know, I mean, I started learning by ear and learning things. And so a lot of my fellow players at kids in school, uh, high school. So it was because other, your friends were playing? So like, what well, was we the, all, uh, we encouraged each other. I don't, I don't know. I already had an interest in music from a younger age, but for some reason, it's hard to answer, really. Yeah, I'm what, always fascinated. It's like, what is the, well, what are the things that happen in somebody's life that causes them to go down a certain path? Yeah, well, the thing is, is I pick up a guitar. I was obsessed with, 14 and yeah, right. Five. I was obsessed with music at, 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 from the time I was five. But why it didn't occur to me to play it myself until the age 14, I don't know. I, I mean, that's something, really, when you think of it. Because it never even occurred to me. It was never even, a, as a, when I was younger, it didn't even, never even cross my mind to play an instrument by myself. So I don't know. I don't know what did it, you yeah. know. Yeah. But you got, you did you buy a guitar? Did you get it as a gift? You played somebody else's? I got, a, I got an acoustic guitar as a gift from my parents. Um, yeah. And it was very, very hard to play. Very hard to play. No, I never got lessons. Never got lessons. You just taught yourself. Yeah, taught myself. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, I was learning the bass guitar. I just needed the lessons. I followed on the thing. It was just tough by myself. It just a lot. It takes a lot of time. That you have to be very passionate. Yeah, it takes time. And what it is is it's obsession, right? It's time. It's obsession. So, I think that that's uh, for all uh, accomplished musicians. uh, Obsession is the common ingredient. I think they obsess over it, and I think that's... So would you say that you loved it, and that's why you obsessed over it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so then, I guess I loved you loved it, too, whenever you had like a challenge, like say you were trying to learn a new challenging piece, you kind of just had that drive. Well, classical guitar didn't come to much later. Yeah. I was a rock guitar player, you know, like Jimi Hendrix and uh, Ed Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath were like my first three. And yeah, and then Guns N' Roses came out, I was a big fan. And then I was just starting to get bored. And of course, I heard Metallica too, Metallica, but I, I wasn't wooed by them. It's still not one of my favorite bands. I don't really like them even now. But I heard another speed metal band in particular right around the time when I was looking for new challenges. And I, I also discovered classical guitar. So I was looking for something. I was just getting bored and I discovered classical guitar and speed metal at that time. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So you wanted to conquer it. That came later. That came yeah. later. Now, it's funny to put it together now when I went, you, that might have run around that time, I guess. Right around that time, right? Was I, I was playing classical guitar already when you met me? Well, the lessons I was taking because I had a I had a Fender was a Strat the red Stratocaster. You remember that? It had like yeah, a little bit of glittery. I, I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it was a beautiful guitar. It had like um, you don't have it? No, I, I got rid of it. That was one of the things I, I when I got out of real estate. It's like I sold everything, my guitars, my amps, just all my furniture, all my art, everything. I literally got it down to my X5 and my boat and probably six or eight boxes of stuff, personal effects. Wow. Yeah, I remember. It was, complete, it was a complete reset of my life at like, what was I, 30? 
36 when I sold my the house I had in Lake. It probably had to feel pretty good, though, getting rid of everything. So there's just one It was kind of really, nice. It was yeah. very cleansing. Freeing, right? Yeah, cleansing and detoxifying because all the art, the furniture, the bed, you know, the relationships that I've had. Yeah. That it's just, I got rid of everything. The TVs, just. That's a lot of things in your mind to take care of. Like one quote I really like is like the more things you own, the more it owns you. Mm-hmm. So that you're kind of you just completely give the freedom. You're like, oh, I can go wherever I want. Like I don't have to worry about moving all this stuff or any of this. Well, pets are like that. Pets are like that. Frank yeah. Lloyd Wright said that most That's weird that most the first rich one... people are nothing more than janitors of their possessions. It's funny that the first word out of your mouth was Frank when I mentioned my pet because that's what my cat's name was. Really? Yeah, he disappeared about two and a half months ago. Oh, that sucks. That coincides with a coyote sighting that my neighbors reported. <laughs> coyote. Frank got eaten by a coyote? <laughs> Apparently, two, they said they saw two coyotes in their front yard, and that was the la- that was also coincided with his disappearance. So, But I told myself, um, you know, next when, when Frank passes or whatever, that I wasn't going to get another pet, so I'd have be more freed up for traveling. But I didn't expect it to happen that fast. It was yeah. very anticlimactic. <laughs> one day, I'm just, yeah, I, I had him for 12 years, right? So one day, I'm just petting him. The next day, he's just gone. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I, I waited for a month or, or more because those cats can show up. I've had that yeah. happen. So last thing I want to do is get rid of all of his stuff and then him show back up at my door. And that'd be having to apologize. Where's my stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Where's my stuff, human? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that that was cleansing in a way. Get rid of the, everything, the litter box, the food, and the bowls. And, and So now, because traveling, I think it's troublesome with a pet. You got a pet, you got to, you know. No, it is. You're like, oh, hey, can you go stop by my house, take watch over? Hey, can yeah, you watch over? Yeah. This is a whole other layer. Cats are a lot easier. Cats are way easier. Yeah. That's why I've, cats have really grown. I like right. dogs more. I'm a, I like both. Both. They're very attention hungry, though. I I I, uh, I actually changed my opinion on cats a little bit now, so I'm less of a cat person. One things Jordan Peterson says: always take an opportunity to pet a cat. Yeah, and that's right. I, I, yeah, now he I, I saw that. I think I saw that when he created it. it when it came on, when it came on, I, I saw him speak on that. And I thought it's that in was a book too. Yeah, I was. It was intriguing. I don't remember the because we hadn't gotten to that part. You know, well, that's right. He was reading his book. That's right because I have the book on audio. Mm-hmm. That, that's what that's what it was. His second book, or no third, 12 right? Twelve rules for life. More twelve, twelve more rules for life. No, um, it twelve. It was in twelve rules for life. There was a chapter, and I I don't remember because I went through the audiobook several years ago and read it. Oh, and it was for in the, this it was stuff in that one. with the okay. girls. I I think we're maybe a third of the way through the book, so we've been listening to the book and reading it together, and then coming up with questions. To, it's it's my recollection that the cat and dog thing, or pet a cat, like you said, comes from the new book. But I guess I could be wrong. Yeah, because I have the new book. All that was have, in the twelve rules. Okay, for life. okay. Yeah, what's the new book called? Twelve more rules, and there's a subtitle. What's the subtitle? Something chaos beyond order. Yeah, uh, twelve more rules for life beyond order is the new book. And boy, he starts it off talking about his struggle, his his uh, thing with uh, benzo benzos. Uh, I can never can remember that drug name. Um, I never can remember the name of that drug, but he, he got addicted to it. It was bad. So it's in the Valium family, but it's not Valium. Lorazepam. Yeah. Ooh, that's a horrible story. He went through hell on that. He got addicted to that stuff. I think that him going through all the hell really helped him with experiences to going for, to be able to, to, I think it contributed greatly to all his knowledge and experience. You can really see, like, he's been through it. It's not he's kind of speaking out of his ass. He, he knows, he knows, 
he's been in that dark place. He knows how to get out of it. He knows the feelings, the psychology behind it, which is just magical. Well, he's been in other dark places before that, too, like with his daughter. Oh, man. The health problems with his daughter when she was growing up are, in, in, oh, man, that's terrible. Yeah, she had one of her ankles replaced or something yeah. like that. It's amazing the, the issues that she has, and she seems to be doing good now, right? She's got her own podcast now. Yeah, I saw their little, I like, uh, you've seen the little clips of them together. They had the little things. Yeah, yeah, they're doing stuff together. Yeah, yeah. 